You're listening to This Is Us podcast, Season 1, Episode 16, with Joanne Philomena and Rachel Nachmius. everybody. We're back. And this time it's Joanne's fault that we're this late with the episode. I actually had a really bad cold for a couple weeks there. And for us to podcast, you would have been listening to me blow my nose about every 30 seconds. So we thought we would spare you. Well, hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi. Fortunately for us, the uh, the president decided to delay the next episode of the show. I know. Am I the only one in the country grateful for that? <laughs> because I, there was no way, no way I could podcast in that condition. It would have been sad. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the listeners will forgive you for not wanting to record you blowing your nose over. I know it. I know it. I didn't get this one recorded. Widowcast missed an episode and a half, I think. I don't know. But I'm back. I'm back. So, this episode, Memphis, what did you think overall? Let's just tackle it that way. Because this is the first episode they've done that was like a solo story arc. Right. So, um, you know, we we talked just a little tiny bit before we got on the podcast about this. But um, for me, I felt that at this stage in the season... Um, William has become such a beloved character that I thought in this scenario, it was appropriate. Now, as a caveat, I'll be interested to see if this is something that they're planning on doing more of, or if this was sort of, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think everyone listening will probably know at this stage that this is a send-off episode. Yeah, yeah. So, and I hope they don't, overdo it with doing episodes that are like just a solo story arc because there are other shows I watch that have many story arcs going on at once and then when they all of a sudden start going to just single story arc it sucks because they're doing this story arc and then the next one they're doing these people and then the next one they're doing these people. And sometimes you're waiting four or five weeks before you find out what's going on with your main group that right. you really want to hear about. So though this episode was awesome because it was the send off episode and we got a lot of backstory, it also felt really slow to me because I'm so used to all the, the back and forth cuts that I love in this show. Yeah. Well, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I felt it, it was slow, although maybe my impression of it was tinged because um, I think for me, like many viewers, and I'm sure for you too, Joanne, um, this was just such an emotional episode. Yeah, um, it was. And um, really from... From very early on in the episode, I knew exactly where we were going. Exactly. Yeah. I was like crying already. I think I think we all did like early on realize, okay, this this is the one. This is the one where we lose William. Yeah. And I do think that there was a slowness to the episode, but I think it was intentional. Because over the course of this episode, you see Randall finally slowing down. Hmm. Yeah. And I think the pace of the episode had to be like that to show you him starting to dial back his pace. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. And it just kind of created some space yeah. around... Um, <laughs> Around what was going to happen. Sorry for the, the listeners if they heard. We're getting the opinions of papillons yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> um, I, I, I felt like it, cre it did create some like, yeah, like just a space around this. Because I know for me, if um, 
they had sort of um, brought William to his end in, you know, a little cutaway here and there interspace between other stuff that's going on in the show. I would have felt a little like, wait, whoa, what? No. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. You would have felt short change. Yeah. 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 So it opened up in a way that I didn't expect, although I think I recognized right away we were seeing William's parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. When I saw them, my mind like all of a sudden went through inventory <laughs> you know, like, who is this? And I went, oh, this has to be William's parents. Well, right, because you're like, you're like, okay, time period, physical description. That's the yeah. only thing we could be looking at. Right, right. So his mom is pregnant with him when his dad goes off to war, like before he's even born, mm -hmm. right? We see him singing to the baby in her tummy. Yeah. Um, and then we see the officers show up at her door to give her the news that he's not coming back. Right. So sad. I mean, to that, just that opening got to me. Plus, the realization was that, like Randall, William never knew his dad either. Yeah. Um, which I thought was so beautiful. And then, so, like, some people had to go and point out something that I totally forgot about, which is that in prior episodes, there's a there's some conflicting information that William gave about his father that doesn't make sense with the story. Well, I know, I know. But, you know, maybe it was, maybe he had a stepdad for a little while. I don't know. I don't know the cover. It is sad that the writers have not carried consistency through the episodes. Yeah. It's like if they, I feel like if they were going to go here with this episode, I don't know. I just wish that they had decided that from, you know, the beginning of the show. But right. this doesn't always work that way. So, yeah, the whole it kind of just messes up that whole storyline where William learned the piano from his father. And then in another episode, he was saying his right. father wasn't a good man and um, et cetera, et cetera, which um, I think we'll just have to accept this um, sort of Genesis story for William as canon. Yeah, because they gave us a whole different version that his father died a war hero and all that. Right. So, um, um, and, and because it was featured in the episode as opposed to, you know, being mentioned as something that happened off screen by the character, I guess we're supposed to think that this is what ha actually happened. Right. Right. Um, then we go to the psychiatrist office. Um, it's one week after Randall's breakdown. And just days after being discharged from the hospital after his panic attack. Right. Okay. Um, William wants Randall to go off on a trip with him to Memphis. So Randall and Beth are at his psychiatrist's office getting a consult as to whether Randall is really ready to do this, to just take his dad on a road trip. Mm -hmm. I think this is mostly Beth's instigation. Like, you can't just take off, you know, let's at least check in with the psychiatrist that's been treating you. Right. And they have some back and forth, which is really cute. And even the shrink says, you two are adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, they are. I think, um, I think they might be my favorite couple on the show, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, and the shrink gives him the green light. So Randall and William are off on a road trip. And William says goodbye to the girls as they're still sleeping in their beds. And I think it was about there that I caught on. It was like, oh, he's dying this episode. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. It's like, that, that was the moment for me, too. I was like, because I was still putting together the pieces of them going on this trip. And then as soon as William went in there and the girls were asleep and he was kissing them goodbye without waking them up, I, yep. I, I was like crying already. I was like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. I know. I know. So, and I loved this as they headed out on this road trip. Randall has this all planned in his head. Mm -hmm. And living free and loose to him is giving up the GPS and using all the maps that he got. 
right. and like instructing William, now you need to give me a heads up well before we have to make a turn. And, you know, he's like totally into functional controlling mode again. Mm-hmm. And William says, let me see those and throws him out the car window. Right. <laughs> right. And says, just drive, just drive, son. Yeah. And, and in a sense, it's kind of like, um, like from where they are on the East Coast, it's like you almost for most of the way kind of can't get lost going where they're going because it's like you just drive south. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, I loved the music all through this episode. Mm, yeah. It was some great music, especially like the scenes with them in the car like that. And in the background, you got that really nice bluesy jazz stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I loved that. It was definitely a nice um, compliment to the the whole feeling of this episode. I felt overall that for me, this episode was pretty well crafted. I thought, I thought the storytelling was. was solid, and um, the the tone of it was really nice. It was, it was, and as they are traveling, we get lots of flashes into William's early life in Memphis, mm-hmm. right? Um, I kind of synopsized them all together here, kind of in a clump, because it goes back and forth a bit with that. Right. But um, we see that, you know, like he's raised by his single mom. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they are, he and his mom are like each other's worlds. Mm -hmm. You can see that. And um, when he's a young adult, his mom has to leave for Pittsburgh to take care of her sick mom. Right. Okay. And he stays back. He continues to work on his music career in his cousin's cover band. Mm-hmm. Right? They're in some club there in I Memphis. I was so excited to see. Um, oh, God, I already forgot the actor's name. But um, the actor who plays his cousin um, plays Paperboy on the series Atlanta, which is another incredible show. Ah, uh, I haven't watched that. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um and he's such a talented actor. I was so excited to see him on this show. Um, and, and I hope to be seeing more of him, too. But I was really excited that they had a cameo from somebody who's really an up-and-comer on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we see the cousin is token a few with the guys mm-hmm. yeah. back there. And when William shares with him what he's been writing, and cousin is impressed. Mm-hmm. Like it takes a couple of years, but finally, you know, William is writing some original songs that are awesome. Right. And it looks like the band is, is really going to take off with this music. Yeah. We get kind of like a montage um scene of their, them growing their following. Right. Right. Um, and that is until William gets a call from his mom. Now his own mom is sick. Mm-hmm. So he packs it up for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. Promising his cousin he's going to come back to Memphis. Says, I'll have a notebook of 60 songs for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And before he goes out the door, his cousin hands him some cash. Says, you can pay me back when you have a platinum record. Right. Yeah. I thought that was really, that was really nice. And um, it was interesting because I wasn't sure where they were going to go with building this character. Um, you know, whether he was going to kind of be a face or a heel, but, um, he definitely turned out to be a face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then back in the car, that's when we get the billboard of the Peabody hotel. Mm -hmm. And William talks about his uncle used to work there and would sneak him in to see the March of the Ducks. It was still segregated back then in the South. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had to look this up because somebody in the group, This Is Us, mentioned this whole March of the Ducks thing that has gone on forever at the Peabody Hotel. Right. And I went to YouTube and I found video of the March of the Ducks through the lobby of the Peabody Hotel. While all the hotel guests there are waiting, they have a red carpet that goes out to the fountain. 
And sure enough, they release the ducks and they all waddle down the red carpet and get into the fountain that's in the lobby of the hotel. That's hilarious. <laughs> it is. It is. So this is what William was talking about. He wanted to go see the March of the Ducks again. Right. Um, they're driving towards Memphis. William is uh, asking Randall about his breakdown. Right. Saying it was quite a shock to see you vulnerable. It's hard to fathom. You seem to have it all together. And Randall says two together. Right. Um, and I thought that was like a really interesting exchange, you know, because you could see as William was saying that it, it, truly to him, it was like, this is so hard to fathom that you fell apart. Right. You know, because of who you are. Yeah. Um, I guess it's, um, I, I guess it's just kind of part of this um, whole thing where it feels like they've built this really strong relationship, you know, almost like they've been together the whole time. But mm -hmm. truthfully, um, you know, there's still just so much that William has missed um, in Randall's life. Right, right. And Randall tells him explains to him how he's been plagued by panic attacks since he was a little kid and that it was his dad, Jack, who was able to keep him in check by putting his hands on both sides of Randall's face and just breathing with him. Mm -hmm. um, and William asked, what was, what was he like, your father? And Randall tells him that, you know, Jack was bigger than life. He had this fantastic laugh. Um, and he mentions that, or William asks him, where, where is your dad buried? And he said, he's not buried. He, uh, he was cremated. And he mentions that part of his ashes were spread under a tree in his favorite park. Mm -hmm. Um, which may sound strange to say part of his ashes. We know that Kate has some of her dad in an urn. Right. Uh, and it's not uncommon for people to like, spread their beloved around that way mm -hmm. instead of totally interring them in one spot. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so William insists that they go there. Says he wants to pay his respects. Right. Randall kind of box and says, you know, it's not on the itinerary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's when he tells him, put your window down, turn the music up and take me to meet your father. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's um, kind of the great lesson in some ways here for Randall. It, mm -hmm. This whole experience with William is kind of an exercise in like just letting go and, yeah. um, you know, like, like being at the mercy of everything that he can't control. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And at this point, he is still, like, trying to hold on to a little bit of that control. Mm-hmm. Even, when, even, like, we'll we'll get there, but, like, even down to almost the last moments of the episode, uh, he's, he still kind of has this illusion that somehow he can control what's happening. Right. Right. Well, frantically then, wanting to try to control what's happening. Yeah. Um. We do. He does take William, who walks down to the tree. And did you cry? I know you cried, Rachel. Oh, I cried like through this entire episode. I know it. I know it. I'm almost crying now. I'm about to cry now. <laughs> and I teased you. I was so yeah. mean. But it's because I watched it the day before you did. <laughs> so I was all pulled together, and you were like crying on Messenger. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I know it. Mess. And I, I teased you, and you sent me skulls and crossbones. <laughs> like so, little, little flames. I'm like, die in a fire, Joanne. <laughs> I know, I know. So William is at the tree, and he's saying, thank you for doing what I couldn't, for raising him to be the man that he is. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to meet your brother. I would have liked to have heard that laugh. Mm. I would have liked to have met my son's father. That got me, you know, when he got to, I would have liked to have met my son's father that I was like boo-hooing. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I know it. I, I mean, there was some beautiful writing on this episode. I appreciated that there were some moments of lightness and that they didn't, like, I felt like they allowed the emotional impact of everything that's happening in this episode to be there without whacking you over the head with it. And they balanced it. I mean, he did that heavy speech down at the tree. Mm -hmm. And then as he walked back up the slope, he walked up to Randall and said, I like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which kind of gave it a little levity at that point. Yeah. I like him. Yeah, you know? like we get, you know, we get some of you know William's quirkiness and later Randall's quirkiness, really. Oh yeah, um, that definitely brings some humor and some lightness to the episode, and um, you know, also like you know, getting to see William like in his prime playing music. There's some like very exciting and uplifting moments of this episode too there are there are um we do have the scene back at the motel room where randall's making his bed in the motel right (laughs) which is such a randall thing to do right totally i love that um randall struggles to try to get up at that point and has to sit there and breathe right william yeah um william yeah but then we get a lot of um in Memphis, there William knows the way around. He's telling him they used to kill the chicken, pluck it, and wrap it up for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Randall's a little scandalized. Right. Then William wants to do a drive-by of his childhood home. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not get the significance of this. Maybe you did. Because he's looking at the home and says one of the two doors has been bricked up. There used to be two doors. And Randall shares that he used to have a fro. And William's like, no kidding. He's like, yeah, then I took the job at the law firm and I had to kind of clean up the image. When I came home after having that all cleaned up, Beth just broke out crying. Uh, or his, his daughter. No, Beth. Oh, his daughter. His daughter yeah. broke out crying. Yeah. And he, then he says to William, it took her a minute to see past the bricked up front door. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I mean, it was kind of that all of a sudden Randall was being the wise old owl for William. Yeah, I, I but think I'm not sure about what, like, what was the significance of that? I think, I don't know. I guess it was like maybe after not, I, I sort of get the emotion, but I can't exactly explain it of like, it's kind of like how I feel, um, when I go to New York and I go by like, especially my old apartment in the West village um, and things around it are different. Um, I don't know. It's like, it's like if you just don't go back too often to somewhere where you once spend a ton of time, it's almost like there's this part of you that feels like, if you like make it into the same geographic location, like somehow time will not have elapsed. I can't explain it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like, yeah, I think it's, it's bad. And also almost like how Williams at this state at the end of his life where it, it is almost like he's like a child again in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I, I, it wasn't the most it wasn't the most clear relationship that they were making with I what know. was going on. I was on. just gonna say, nice try to save it, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> but I still just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. I think they were trying to make some significance there that wasn't coming across. Maybe so. You know, it just wasn't. Hey, sometimes you swing and miss. What can I say? I, I know, I know. William insists that they go inside which I love that. Mm-hmm. And he wants to see if his treasure is still inside. Right. Apparently he left a treasure in the house. So as this nice couple who actually lets them in, much to my surprise, mm-hmm. William goes right to the fireplace and, and pulls a brick out of their fireplace. Yeah. Right? And lo and behold, there's a few toys and some quarters in there. Um, yeah. And then... 
you know, William gives the brick to Randall and Randall just kind of baffled turns and hands it to the homeowners and says, okay, so here's your brick. I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> that just cracked me up. And then yeah. we see that, that nice little world through Memphis where they're getting haircuts. Um, they're having a barbecue sandwich. They, William even shows Randall the formerly segregated water fountains. Mm -hmm. And the two of them take a drink out of the white fountain. Mm -hmm. right? Randall yeah. says, I've, I've been with white people a long time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, then they go back to back in time in Pittsburgh when it's young William again. Mm. And he's in Pittsburgh now because he's there to take care of his mom. Right. Right. He stays with her. And that's where we see him meet and fall in love with Randall's mother. Right. Again, on the bus. Yeah. And I think, um, I think his mom says she has cancer. So it seems like maybe it's a family thing. I don't know. Yeah, could be. Yeah. Could have been hereditary. Um, we find out that Randall's mother's name was Laurel. Right. And she joins in with William in taking care of his mom, which like, that's really nice. Like, I don't think she was a total junkie when they first met. No, no, not at all. It doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Seems like a, you know, nice and pretty girl that he sees on the bus. Right, right. And, you know, they kind of come together and, you know, taking care of his mom's health. Yeah. Um, but then there's the neighbor, though, that is having the drug parties over there. Right. That they both kind of start getting roped into. Yeah. So then we kind of know what the rest turns out to be. Right. Um, then we come back to the present and William wants to go find his cousin again, wants to look up the club in Memphis. Mm -hmm. um, his cousin was like still in the same dingy little club and kind of bitter about what could have been. Yeah. I mean, yeah understandably so to some degree well yeah but he can't blame william for having ruined his career like was he really counting on william to for him to have a career yeah i mean that's that's true but he does say you know he waited and waited and like maybe he missed yeah. his shot because he didn't want to like go forward with somebody else so oh yeah could have been could have been um, anyway, William gets a chance to tell him he's sorry, and he gives his cousin the money that he owed him from like 40 years ago or something. Right. Um, so he pays him back the money, and as they start to leave, his cousin says, are you too sick to play? Right. And he says, I'm never too sick to play. Well, this was the best scene. Totally. The best best scene because William is playing with the band back in the club. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. And Randall all of a sudden is like surrounded by family. Right. So he's in hog heaven. Uh totally. Yeah. And kind of drunk and <laughs> saying to the table, you get a cousin and you get a cousin and you get a cousin. Yeah. And says, don't mind me, I was raised by white people. <laughs> I found this hilarious. Yes. I loved it. Yes. I loved it. I think that was one of those classic moments from the show. Yeah. Yeah. So, plus it was such a hoot to see Randall totally relaxed now. Like, he's had a few drinks. He's laughing with family. He's, like, in his element, and he's really let go at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking... Um, but then the next morning when Randall goes to William's room to wake him up, he finds him in really bad shape and calls the ambulance. Mm -hmm. And you're right at the hospital. Like you said, he was still trying to be in control of it. Yeah. He's going, isn't there something? And can't we just, and I'll make a call. And, and, and the doctor's just like, no, you don't understand. 
this is it. Yeah. Like your father isn't leaving this hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, sorry, no, he's in no condition to be moved anywhere. Um, um, and, and then I guess at, when that really kind of comes through, um, that kind of gives Randall the permission to just be in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And also that was after that William takes off his oxygen mask and tells Randall to get that he has a gift for him in the front pocket of his bag. Mm hmm. And it's poems for my son, the notebook. Yeah. He originally wanted Rebecca to give him all those years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and William tells him, you deserve the beautiful life you made. You deserve everything. I'm just uh, sighing over here. I, I know, I know. I can't, I can't read all the words to you because you'll start bawling on our podcast. I, I'm holding it together. Are you holding it together? I'm like just um, breathing. After, after he says a lot of things that made us both cry, he says, um, the two best things in my life are the person in the very beginning and the person at the very end. And that's a pretty good thing to be able to say. And then he admits he's a little scared. And in that moment, Randall kind of finds Jack within himself. And he holds William's face in his hands, telling him to just breathe, breathe until it's over. And he takes William through his death the same way his dad would take him through his panic attacks. Yeah. <gasps> man. Oh, man. It, I mean, it was so good. It was beautiful. It was so good. Um, it was. And then as he's leaving Memphis, all of a sudden there are ducks in the road parading across the street in front of his car. Right. I forgot about that. And Yeah. And I think that's what absolutely breaks it for Randall. You get that moment that something so impossible shows up that you know it was a sign sent to you. There's no question. And you see Randall roll down the windows, turn up the music, and smile to himself a little as he dries off. Yeah. So it's like William has passed away, but all of a sudden you know Randall's going to be okay. And he's changed. Randall is forever changed. Yeah. I think we're going to see that in the next episodes now, that he is like not the same uptight dude that he was before. Yeah. Well, and it'll be interesting too, because it just occurred to me that this is kind of the end of the story arc that we started the series with for Randall. So, It'll be interesting to see what kind of character developments, what kind of plot they're going to bring in for Randall going forward from this point. That's true, because that's like a big part of his whole storyline plot. Yeah, the whole, like really from, from episode one, where he's knocking on William's door, this has been the main plot for Randall. Admittedly, yeah. we had a little side plot with his sort of up and back push and pull with Kevin. And so, right. uh, and even that seems to have mostly resolved because now we had this big come together moment with them in the previous episode. Um, so, and, and, you know, maybe their differences aren't resolved forever, but I'm just interested to see what their plans are for where Randall is going to go next. Yeah. That will be interesting. Do you think it'll be more focused on the relationship between Randall and Kevin? Um, maybe. That's certainly one possibility. Yeah. Because that's kind of the main other thing that we've been introduced to. I'm also kind of wondering, you know, um, there was that whole thing where, like, Beth was talking about going back to work or, like, and then she thought maybe she was pregnant and was going to have another baby um, so I don't know if maybe they're going to do anything with that. Um, I guess we'll see, you know? Yeah. Yep. It'll be interesting. 
um, you know, I think Randall, I don't think they're going to change. I mean, who knows? I don't think they're going to change anything with his career um, or like have any kind of awakening like that, because I think Randall legitimately loves his job. Um, oh, yeah, I think so, too. Um, but, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hard to say just because most of the plot around Randall really has been um, around um, him finding his father and connecting with his father and having this experience with him up until the end of his life. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I could see them going deeper now into his relationship with Kevin, especially now that Randall is so changed. Right. And Kevin changed. I mean, we saw Kevin give up his play to run through the streets and go see what was wrong with his brother. Right. And then sitting on the floor holding Randall while Randall was having the breakdown. Yeah. And oh. I think, I'm not sure, but I think I saw a little snippet and, and next week we're going to find out a little bit about the fallout um, for that situation for Kevin, too. So, oh, that's, yeah, there's got to be fallout. I mean, that was the opening night of his play. and For sure. It, it didn't go on. <laughs> yeah. So, well, we have a couple of feedback notes here. Yay, feedback. I will share. We have kind of a generalized one from Lana. Thank you, Lana. It says, hi, Joanne. I just finished the podcast. The last podcast you have so far, which was Jack Pearson's son at that time, and love it. She says, to be honest, yours is the very first podcast I've ever listened to, and now I'm hooked. Oh, Lana, yay. You're going to love podcasts. Welcome to podcasts. <laughs> Joanne has Welcome many. to podcasts. <laughs> I especially I especially have a soft spot for TV podcasts because there's nothing I love better than watching a TV show and then go listening to a podcast, break it down. Um one of my favorite shows is The Walking Dead. I would never podcast it because there's so many excellent podcasts out there on it already. Yeah. There's no way I could do an equivalent job to what they're doing on this. Yeah. Anyway, she goes on to say, I really hope that you can find time to record a podcast of episode six. Oh, God, episode six haunting us, Rachel. I know. <laughs> Which was one of my favorites because I love the fact they have Randall be gifted. I can relate a lot to Randall and his struggle to fit in because I'm actually a member of Mensa. So when I saw the part of the episode where Randall was solving problems in his head quickly... And him saying he just sees it, I totally got what he was talking about. I also understood how he then tried to hide his giftedness to fit in and not be made fun of. Being gifted is also a special need that a lot of schools don't pay attention to. And it was really awesome that Jack and Rebecca embraced his uniqueness. I especially love the scene of Jack showing Randall how to tie his tie and walking him to his new school. I love just everything about this episode. Mm. I also love the part where Kate meets her cool new boss and the boss's bratty teen. That was really cool. Anyway, I hope you record something on episode six, and I'm really looking forward to your podcast of Memphis, which has me crying like a baby. <laughs> and and me too clearly <laughs> lana. Um, well, a, little, a little secret lana i am also mensa and struggled in school because there was really counselors back in the day were not at all tuned in um i got told i was gifted all the time and they would try to push me into classes that I absolutely hated and I refused because for me, entertaining was everything. <laughs> so I took entertainment classes all through high school mm. and it drove the counselors insane because it was like, you're just throwing your life away. I was like, no, I'm not. So, yeah, I never thought about it being a special need, though. Yeah, that's interesting. That is interesting. It's an interesting view that there's a special need that a lot of schools don't pay attention to. Yeah, uh, I know that um, when my mom was in school, the way that they kind of dealt with it was that they just kept bumping her up grade levels. Mm -hmm. So my mom graduated from high school at like an insanely young age. 
Um, yeah. And then went right into college and then law school. Um, cause there just really wasn't anything else for them to be able to figure out to do with her. Right. Right. And they weren't doing that when I was in high school, at least where, where I went to school, mm. what they were trying to do is they were trying to push me into the advanced algebra classes and calculus and stuff like that. Yeah. And it was like, just because I had an IQ of a certain level didn't mean really that I belonged in those classes. It was not my interest really. It's like I could have done the work, but for me, it would have really been work. Yeah. Because there was absolutely no interest. My mind didn't function that way. Mm, yeah, I I was much the same. Um, I, I was never really much for, like, even though I was good at math, um, mm -hmm. I was really never much for math and sciences. Um, I just um, tended to prefer... Um, you know, English, history, and art-related classes. Yeah. And yeah. languages. I was very gifted at languages as a teen. My best friend and I in high school, we were such brats. And she was also, well, both her, her parents were both teachers, although her father was also a minister and worked as a minister and her mother taught. And she used to get it thrown in her face all the time, too, that she was gifted and wasn't living up to it. So we would walk around, and if anyone picked on us, we would just say, but we're gifted. Right. <laughs> what, a, what brats. Hilarious. But um, you're right, Lana. They really didn't know how to handle us back in the day. So, And it was cool that they were able to recognize that in Randall and get him in a school where he fit in better, and that could be handled better. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. And we're doing Memphis. So hi, Lana. And thank you for your feedback. Oh, yeah. Thanks for your feedback. And thanks for listening to the show. Yeah. We also got a note from Deborah Battle. Um, and I recognize the name because I think Deborah is on uh, follows the This Is Us podcast page that oh. I have up. Um, she said this was one of the best episodes of the whole season. She loved this. She says, we get to see William's life, the future he was going to have in music with his cousin. We got to meet Randall's mother. Mm. To his taking drugs to escape the pain of losing his mom. We see that all of the good and bad decisions in his life, William is at peace with and happy for the little time he got with his son at the end. Mm. Yeah. So... Right. And that's true. I guess they were kind of showing us all the good and bad decisions. Although I think some of the decisions weren't necessarily good or bad or could be looked at as both. Maybe that's what the whole door bricked up was about, you know? Yeah. Because when he went to take care of his mom, like for his cousin, that was a really bad decision. And for Randall, it might have been a really bad decision because he might have had some amazing music career that he gave up to go look after his mom. But at the same time, you go, but that has to be a really good decision because that's what a son should do right. is go look after his mom. And he had those last moments with his mom who was, remember, when he was growing up, like they were each other's whole world. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, prior to that, he had not... Um, seen her for many years it seemed like so he yeah it felt like he had been in Memphis with the band for like a couple years yeah right um so yeah I I agree maybe it's kind of like maybe that was supposed to symbolize like a road less traveled by which is often thought of as like one was better than the other but the mm -hmm. whole point is that they're the they're like equally good they're just different right Right. Um, you know, and maybe the bad decisions is truly when they fell into, you know, doing drugs over at the neighbors yeah. so that he never did end up going back to Memphis. He never showed up back at Memphis. Yeah. So, uh, I, or did he in this episode? <laughs> well, yeah, he eventually did, but not when his cousin needed him to be back there. Yeah, for sure. So interesting. Thank you, Deborah. So that was our 
couple pieces. Oh, wait, no, there's another one that says this is us Memphis. Oh, oh, great, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl. I've heard from Cheryl before. Greetings from Ohio. I hope you all had a fabulous week. We did. Hmm. It was curled up on my couch with a box of Kleenex. (laughs) (laughs) The episode as a whole was very good. It was well thought out, well acted, full of touching moments that everyone can relate to. I'll keep my comments to a minimum for you. Sorry about last week. Here are my big three moments of This Is Us. We did give Cheryl a little jibe for being too long. (laughs) (laughs) So... Number one, when William lingered over his granddaughters saying his goodbyes, I knew he would not be back. Just Mm -hmm. a feeling. Oh, see, she felt it, too. It wasn't just us. Yeah. Um, The girls, I suspect, didn't really know a paternal grandfather until William and vice versa for him. Mm. His tender look of gratefulness for the time he got to know them was so sweet. Yeah. My paternal grandfather passed away. When I was in seventh grade, he was a special man, but he lived across the U.S., and I only saw him every few years. Mm-hmm. So suspecting William would not be back, I'm glad he didn't wake them. At the end, when he told Randall he did not want to come down there because he wanted them to always remember looking up at him, just like his mama told him when she was dying. Mm-hmm. She told William she loved waking him up and him looking up at her. Yeah. Oh, and she says, what a symbol. Number two was William talking to Jack, paying his respects, thanking him for what he couldn't do. I love how he just talked to Jack like he was sitting there beside him. Number three, William's last words to Randall. Oh, I tried not to do these last words to you, Rachel. I know, don't read them. (laughs) I'm going to read them. You deserve the beautiful life you've made. You deserve everything, Randall. William tells him that he had some, he had some think he may, oh, some may think he had a sad life, but he doesn't think so. Having the best things in my life for the person at the very beginning and the person at the very end. And that's a pretty good thing to say, I think. So she doesn't say it all either. That's good. (laughs) Then Randall helps William pass on using the technique that Jack used to help Randall with his anxiety attacks. Such a touching moment, both hands on both sides of his face and both of them breathing. Randall strong, William weak. Seeing the things William remembered as he was passing, his mother playing with him and then hugging him as she passed. Her young, him an old man, it's a nice concept of what it may be like. But the sign at the end while Randall is driving, the ducks crossing the road, was the most important thing to me. When my grandfather passed, I had what I called a sign from him too. Whether it was or not, that's how I took it. I took it as it's going to be okay. You can make it without me. So touching. Thanks for letting me voice my opinion, keeping it in the family, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. That was nice. That was good. See, that's so true. Like when when her grandfather passed, she had a sign. She doesn't say what it was. But, and as she says, whether it was a sign or not, that's how she took it. Right. And sometimes... You know, you can choose that sign, but sometimes, too, it's unmistakable. Right. Yeah. So. I know you've had something similar happen to you. Well, yeah, I had several signs from Jim after he passed away. And some were just breathtaking and unmistakable. Uh, And you have to read about it in my book, Widowed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't take the time on on the podcast to go into all that. Or you can go listen to Widowcast because I talk about some of these things on Widowcast too. And if you've lost somebody, even if you're not a widow, um, there are episodes of Widowcast that may be helpful for you for dealing with that. Um. I may have to go listen to them after losing William in this episode. I I know, honey, call me. I'll do some grief coaching with you. 
No, we're just we're just teasing. But I know. I think. Hey, I think like every everyone who watches this show needed a little grief coaching after that episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it. We just really. I mean, this character is so beloved. Um, yeah. And um, you know they. It, they really do feel like family, these characters. I think that's what everybody loves about this show. Yeah. And, you know, I was going to say, one of the things I think they were trying to do with the bricked-up door thing. <laughs> Joanne and the bricked-up door. And, Tell me. I know. I'm stuck on the bricked-up door. But, you know, with Randall then talking about his afro. Yeah. And then turning that story around back on William about the bricked-up door. It was like Randall was becoming the wise old owl. Which yeah. is what William had always been in his life. Did you catch that? Yeah, I I can definitely see that. I and I think um, maybe that's part of this um, transition for Randall is like, and and maybe something we're gonna see more of from him is almost like, um, like almost like he's he's really. Like, obviously, he's a father, but he's really stepping into that um, paternal role of these two father figures that he's had throughout his life, who were both kind of, I mean, he says, you know, Jack was larger than life. Right. Both kind of are, like, almost superhuman characters in some way. Yeah. And I think... um Maybe Randall here is kind of just stepping into that legacy. I think so, too. I think we're going to see him internalize that. I think we're going to see him take on the wise owl archetype. Hmm. Um, the episode right before, we saw Kevin really internalize Jack after the conversation with Miguel. Yeah. Right? Sure. So right before going on stage, he said, I'm thinking about what my father would have done. And that's when he walked away from the play to go to Randall because he knew Randall needed him. Yep. So, yeah, we're yeah. we're getting this, like, kind of new, whole new level of um, growth and emotional maturity from our boy characters, our male characters here. Our male characters, yeah, we'll see what's going on. Well, hey, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Kate. Kate, Kate seems like she might be a step or two behind at this They're going to need to step this up. <laughs> um, I hope that we're going to see more Kate coming up. Um, yeah. And see more, um, you know, actual, like, forward momentum with what's going on with Kate. I, I think so, too. I think so, too. One last question, because yeah. it has come up, and it has also bothered me, that Miguel always looks like he has too dark of makeup on or something. What goes on there? I, is it, I, is I, this this actor's complexion, or are we really seeing them, like, trying to darken him? I think, um, or at least this is how I see it. To me, he looks normal in the shots of him in the past. Yeah. I think it's something wacky happening when when they're trying to age him forward. Because I also think that um, Mandy Moore looks crazy in her aged forward <laughs> appearance. Yeah. Because the truth is, I think I, I read this actually. Mandy Moore is younger than at least one of the actors who's playing the kids. Oh, I yeah, I could see that. <laughs> so I like in, that. in actual reality. So but, yeah, I thought the forward... Yeah. Um yeah, I think I think that's accidental and they're try that and it's it's a consequence of how they're trying to age him yeah. with makeup. Um so it's unfortunate that um you'd think in this day and age, right? Um it's unfortunate that it's not m more believable. I know. Well, maybe they'll work on that. But I knew you would have the answer for cosmetics. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I've I've seen it be done many times. It's definitely it's it's a very tricky thing to do because you're just trying to kind of add a whole new texture to the entire face, 
And what I suspect is happening is that um, what like what it looks like in person is not how it's translating on camera for whatever reason. Right, right. And they, there must be a way for them to do a better job because I've seen it done on other shows. Yeah, that it's so much better. Yeah, I I think I've seen I've seen it done on other shows where it's better than for me both of them. I don't like the job they do on Mandy Moore either. No. So, um, not that that anyone even remotely associated with the show listens to this podcast, but if the in case this message makes it out there into the universe, maybe it's time to hire a different makeup artist. Just saying, maybe, just saying, just saying. <laughs> I'm not trying to cost anyone their job, but it seems like for a special effects makeup artist, especially that. Um, adding a few years onto someone should be in their basic skill set. It should. You would think. Like, maybe they could use Greg Nicotero from The Walking Dead. <laughs> Except then they're going to look like zombies. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, right? Like, they're able to make, like, a regular human look like a zombie with makeup. You'd think, at, like, they could just make them look a few years older. Like, well, now, Rach, you would think that some of these cosmetic lines could produce something that could make me look 20 years younger. But <laughs> that hasn't happened yet either. Well, <laughs> on camera, maybe, you know. Uh, in real life is another thing. You're always going to see the makeup in real life. But I don't I don't know. It just um, it does seem like that should be a thing. Um, but... It does. Uh, and I just had to bring it up because it bugs me every episode. And I've never said anything about it. I try to be nice because I really do love the show. But yeah, I mean, I think it definitely has been in the back of my mind, too, the way that their age forward looks very strange to me. Um, and and it does distract me just that much from any of the scenes they're in in the present day. Yeah, yeah. And I find it more so with Miguel. It I, just really throws me off. I can accept that. Yep. Well, anyway, well, I think we've just about packed this one up and put it to bed. I think so. And yeah, and we get a hopefully, new episode in a couple days here. Yes. Hopefully it will involve less crying. <laughs> less crying. And we will both stay healthy enough and in town so we can get the next episode recorded timely for everyone. That sounds perfect. <laughs> well, do send us feedback. We love it. If you go to, first of all, if you go to the This Is Us podcast page on Facebook, there is the button at the top of the page that says you can email us. Hmm. When it opens up, it asks like your name and your phone number and something else. You don't have to put that in. I just can't make Facebook not have those questions in the email when it opens up. <laughs> but if you click on it, it'll open an email to joanne at joannethelifecoach.com for feedback. And we'd love to hear from everybody. It doesn't have to be a lot of feedback. You can just send us one thought. Maybe there was something in the episode that made you say, oh, holy cow, did anyone else see that? Email us. Just send us that thing. We would love to hear it. Yeah. And if we've missed anything in our analysis, definitely shoot us an email oh, and let us know. Oh, yeah. And go back into iTunes or Google Play or wherever you're listening to this on and leave us a review. That would be because great. Podcasts live and die by the number of reviews they get. In iTunes, if you're subscribed, you still have to go back in and search for This Is Us Podcast. Open it up, and then you'll see where you can click on ratings and reviews, and then click leave a review. iTunes does not make it easy to do that. They don't. I don't understand. I don't. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Apparently, you're keeping me up. Um, I'm keeping Rachel up this time. There's a turnaround. <laughs> right. I don't understand why they don't make it easier, but unfortunately, it is a little bit of a to-do, which I'm sure is why all our loyal and faithful listeners have not maybe yet left us a review. Um <laughs> 
But if you could just take a few moments, um, if you like the show, to give us a review, that would be so, so amazing, and we would be totally grateful. Great. Go leave us some stars in iTunes. Five-star reviews, please. We'll take four-star reviews. We're not picky. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Joanne and Rachel signing off. Everybody have a fantastic week. Keep it together. Remember, this is us.